0: I am fully aware that there are children in the room, including mine. So there are parts of my testimony that will be modified and kind of, uh, that's intriguing sounding, isn't it? Oh, um, that will be changed up a little bit. But let me begin with the fact that uh, my name is Christopher Potter Greenwood. And as I learned to write my name, I had to start on the far left corner to write at the top of the page to figure out all those letters. I knew most of the alphabet by the time I was ready to go to school because my name contained most of the letters. So I did not grow up in a Christ-centered home. That doesn't mean my parents weren't Christians. It just means that when I define the words Christ-centered home, it would be a home that, where they talk about Jesus at least sometimes, and we never did that. So my, uh, partly that was probably because I grew up a military kid. So from three to five years old, I was in Okinawa from five to eight years old, I was in England. Neither one of those are hotbeds of Christianity. And so we didn't go to church at all. And then in third grade, we moved to South Georgia. And I like to tell people, all three of those are very distinct countries and they have their own <laughs> flavor to them. I uh, my, when we came back to South Georgia, we began going to church because my mom made us. My dad didn't want to go and I didn't want to go because my dad didn't want to go. And so the constant debate was, Sunday school or big church. This is big church. And it was a really bad Sunday if I had to do both. So it was always either or. My early memories of worship services were people talking about stuff I didn't understand, people singing about stuff that I didn't know, and um, just doing a whole bunch of stuff I didn't get. So I didn't like big church. And Sunday school wasn't any better because I went with a bunch of people that I went to school with, and the only difference was they dressed nicer, and they acted nicer on Sundays. But during the week, they were mean to me. And <laughs> that sounds so, so sad. Um, and yet it was sad because I, the only redeeming fact of Sunday school was that they talked about this person named Jesus, and he seemed kind of cool, but there was no reflection of him that I could draw a part of. And so Jesus was irrelevant to me. That continued till about seventh grade when my parents got a divorce, and I had to make a decision that no kid should ever have to make, is uh, which parent do you want to go live with? And so I processed that about as well as a seventh grader can. I went to school, went to the band room where I was in band, was getting my instrument out, and I looked at my best friend and I said, my parents are getting a divorce. And he said, whoa, that's, that's bad, man. And I said, yeah, I'm gonna have to either move with my dad or move with my, stay here with my mom. What do you think I should do? And you know, every, every solid seventh grade boy answered that. He was like, I don't know. And I said, well, I have to make a decision. And he said, well, I guess you should just stay here because you're in the band. And so that's what I went home and told my parents. I said, well, I'm just going to have to stay here because I'm in the band," And that's about as far as that got. And so I did. And like every sad country song, I watched my dad in his white extended cab pickup truck get into his truck, load up my golden retriever dog, back out of the driveway, and drive away. And um, my dad and I have a wonderful relationship to this day. But he left my life in that moment. And there's a lot of things I had to learn that my dad was not there to teach me. And so about that same time, I began to finally read for the first time. I got into books and I started reading uh, fantasy uh, D&D books. I'm not gonna get into what D&D is because there's a lot of stuff that swirls around that, but it captivated me and the Lord used that to draw my attention because there's a character in the D&D books called a paladin. So if you don't know what a paladin is, it's kind of like a knight. But they are described in the books as warriors of the God of light, servants of the one true God. And the Lord used that character class for me as a freshman in high school, sitting in a history class, uh, reading that instead of paying attention. And I pondered to myself, is there a God And if there is a God, is there just one true God? And what would it be like to be a warrior for him? I remember thinking those things. And so as I go throughout this testimony, what I thought I'd do is I would use songs to capture snapshots of my life. And uh, so in just a second, we're going to play the first of many songs for you. But in Acts 2.39, Peter, after the Sermon at Pentecost, says this. For the promise is for you and for your children. And for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And I was very far off, and he called me. And so let's just play a little clip of this song. You're always welcome to sing along with any of these, but there's all kinds of different songs. Let's play this first one. That was my life. Does anybody see me? A couple years later, my parents got, or uh, my dad remarried. I inherited a, a stepmom and a stepsister. I don't like to use the word step very much because they're just as much family as anybody else. And in fact, my stepmom is here this morning. And uh, she's heard my testimony a number of times. And so I'm sorry that she has to hear it one more time. But, and, uh, but she's, I think, glad to be here and spend time with the Hooty Hoos. And so uh, <laughs> it's here. Because I inherited them, I also inherited their church in this thing called youth group that my stepsister went to. I didn't know what youth group was, but because of the youth director and the associate pastor, they invited me to come to this thing called youth camp. Um, It was called Fun in the Sun down in uh, Jekyll Island, Georgia. And uh, guys, I was just so unchurched and so lost, I didn't even get the sun, S-O-N. I thought it was a typo. I didn't know what that was all about. It was weird. (laughs) But for some reason this introverted kid decided to go with this youth group he didn't really know I knew my stepsister, her boyfriend, the youth director and the associate pastor that's it out of the 30 some odd kids and so I went from South Georgia to North Carolina only to come back to Georgia to go to fun in the sun and while I was there um, the Lord met me because for the first time I heard Christian music that was not done on an organ Uh, I heard and I heard the gospel message in the midst of a group of people my own age, and I was, I was just, I didn't know the whole gospel presentation was even coming, I just didn't know. I was so, I was blown away that there was indeed one true God, and that he did indeed want me to know him, and that he had made a way for me to know him. And so I remember thinking how amazing it was. In John 12, 32, it says, Jesus said, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself, and he was lifted up there at fun in the sun. And this is a song that I heard there. This was cutting edge back in the day, but it's a different version because since I got to pick the song, so it's not this version, but you'll know this song. Let's play this little clip here. That's right, that's right, that's right. Little Kirk Franklin, can't go wrong with Kirk Franklin, but it was, it was not that version way back then in the day, but that was, uh, that was it. So. What changed? That was the summer between my sophomore and junior year in high school. And when I came back as a junior in high school, the Lord had flipped a switch in me. And an amazing thing happened. I went from being a band nerd to a confident band nerd. It was amazing. (laughs) It was an amazing switch. And, you know, but again, it's actually true. Because what the Lord switched in me was a gift. And it was a real true gift. And anyone that's ever been in middle school or high school you know what it is to feel like you have to fit in with people, to feel like you're, you change according to who you're with, and that the clicks and the pressure and, the, and the all that. What happened is, because of my understanding that there was a God who wanted me and desired me and made a way for me, I didn't care about any of that other stuff anymore. And so I came back, and it's a true gift. I was able just to be me in the middle of high school. And so by the time I graduated high school, I knew 90 to 95 percent of my entire class by a first-name basis and I would, just, I would call them friends and they were the skaters and the football players and the band people and the drama people and the drug dealers and the, and the sketchy dudes that just smoked and, and lots of different stuff. But none of that mattered because I could just be me and them. And I tell you it's, it's just a true gift of the Lord. And so I also tried to get involved in a church because one of the, my band friends kept inviting me. And then finally after that summer, I said yes, and he about fell off the, his chair. He couldn't believe I would go with him. So I, I wanted to go to church. I wanted to go to Sunday school and worship and Bible study and, and Wednesday night supper and all those things you do in South Georgia. And I did everything I could to grow. And I just couldn't really figure out how to grow. And in fact, in the middle of that, I began reading my Bible and I came across this verse, Matthew 721, that I had never I just couldn't shake not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And I remember going to a group, a Bible study of my peers, and I remember saying, what does this mean? How do you, how do you, are you serious that people could call, could do things for Jesus, but they they don't know him? How is this possible? And they didn't have any answers for me, and so I didn't have any peace in this. But I knew that something was, there's a disconnect here. There's I was missing something. My senior year was was horrible from start to finish, and I have to kind of abbreviate it. We can just give you an overview of this, but it was the first time I was in a relationship with a girl, and it went sideways, and depression happened, and um, almost suicide happened, and um, the Lord met me in all of that. went from weighing about 150-ish to about 127. And this is the same time I'm in the Atlanta Olympic band, getting ready to go keep, compete and or participate in the 1996 Olympics, as I've mentioned to you guys before. But as I graduated high school, I was given my first ever devotional, my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. And I just devoured that thing and read it and read it and read it and I, at my grandmother's house in Tennessee, I remember praying to the Lord, Lord, I've tried to be a Christian for about two years now and it hadn't gone too well. And so if what I'm reading in this devotional that this that the call is not just to save me, but to also like have some a purpose for my life that I'm supposed to walk out and live out. If this is true, you're going to have to send somebody into my life to teach me how to be a Christian because I don't know how to do it. And my church hasn't been very helpful. And so when I go to college, you're going to have to help me Uh, because all I could think of to do as I got away from this Uh, From this devotional was I needed to really really understand what it was to serve him and follow him and Devote my life to him. So let's play this next song that kind of hits on that theme As I um, started college I moved into the dorms and my RA was a, a Member of campus outreach and within two weeks. I was in my first dorm Bible study, and I was being discipled The Lord answered the cry of my heart I started off as a music performance major playing French horn, ended up as a history major with a couple of majors in between Um, because the Lord called me into ministry in the middle of that time. Uh, I will forever and always be grateful for my time with Campus Outreach. They taught me everything I could possibly need to know how to have quiet times and pray and understand missions and and just share my faith and so many things. Um, But after a year and a half or so, I was was deeply hurt um, by campus outreach, and so I kind of drifted away from that ministry, and being in this kind of real conservative and, yes, eventually legalistic vein, I swung way the other way and began going to a charismatic church, and there I I really began to explore things like the Spirit of God and the gifts of the Spirit and the call of the Spirit, and, yes, was eventually baptized by the Spirit, and, and yet as I was over here, I began to, to miss some of the things back over here, and because over here, you can become so legalistic that you don't understand the Spirit of God. And over here, you can become so spirit that you don't understand holiness. And so I've been, ever since then, I've been trying to, to find this tension point and live in the middle of that. But the Spirit of God found me and freed me. And, and so I've been living in that wonderful tension ever since. And Second Corinthians 3.17 says, now, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let me play you just a little clip of a song that was big to me back then. Um, you'll know it right off the bat. Go ahead and let's play this, this fun one. How many, of you, how many of you guys know Jesus Freak? I mean, come on. All right, all right. Good. A little DC talk. It's beautiful. So later in my collegiate experience, I, uh, I helped uh, a new campus minister launch a new campus ministry uh, of sorts because I had all this discipleship training, and he wanted somebody to help him. And the Lord brought back the music that I had walked away from, and I began to try and sing, which I'd never had a chance to do with in, in high school before, because I was doing band all the time. So my roommate played guitar, and I sang, and we were the worship team. And um, it wasn't hard, because there was only eight people in the campus ministry. So <laughs> it was, uh, whatever we could offer was glorious. And by the time, though, I ended my collegiate experience, I w- picked up guitar and was able to lead worship for our campus ministry and it had grown to uh, about a hundred people give or take and um, I had the chance to disciple a number of men over those years and just really pour my life into people. I also met my my beautiful wife during that time of my life and um, I'm so thankful that she not only said yes then but uh, said yes later and still says yes every day and I began going to the passion conferences, Passion 98, 99, and this thing called One Day that was t- took place at Shelby Farms in Memphis, Tennessee, May of 2001. 60,000 college students gathered together to sing. And so this next song is probably my favorite passion song of all time, and it's actually at One Day. So you can't see Sarah or myself or our friends, but we are there. And, um, and this, so let's just play this, this song here. After college I married my bride in May of 2000, no, July of 2002, (laughs) I'm going to pay for that one, so (laughs) I uh, also began being discipled one-on-one for the first time in my life, and both Sarah and I taught at a brand new Christian startup school, taught elementary school kids for two years, (laughs) And while we were just trying to sort out what I was supposed to do in ministry, that's what you would have seen from the outside looking in. What you wouldn't have seen from the inside is that in our second year of marriage, but for the conviction that we would never get divorced, Sarah and I would have gotten a divorce. Uh, Our marriage was a disaster and a train wreck, and uh, it was two people that did not know themselves very well, let alone how to live with each other. And One of the hidden and dirty secrets of the church is that if you take Christian 1 and Christian 2 and put them into a Christian marriage, everybody ought to be happy. You should have successful marriages all the time. And the, the truth of the matter is marriage is hard, and a great marriage is even harder. And so as a shameless plug for next week, our own Pastor Steve and Jane are doing a marriage class starting next Sunday, and you should come and not buy into the dirty secret that I'm the only one that goes to my church that has a rough marriage, because you are not. You are not indeed. So come, share, learn, grow, Uh, advertisement over. Uh, Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And he indeed helped us through that transition. We moved to North Carolina so I could go to seminary. And my sugar mama could uh, put me through seminary for four years as an elementary school teacher. We began a young married couples uh, Bible study at the church we were attending and um, took what we had just learned and poured it into the lives of other couples. And we've done that ever since. We've helped a number of couples in their marriages. The mission statement of my seminary was Christ-centered, Bible-based, and ministry-focused. It always bothered me. It wasn't ministry minded because you should have CCBBMM. And it always threw me off, but I've never forgotten the mission statement. And so I ask you I wonder how many of you know what our purpose statement is here for KPC. And the reason I ask that is because if you don't know it, you won't live it. And so we're going to do a better job in 2017 keeping that before you. My biggest takeaway from my time in seminary was that. Uh, I learned what it is to earn the right to be heard. See, I didn't go to an RTS or a Gordon-Conwell where they just told me what I already believed. I went to a school that did not unnecessarily believe what I believed and didn't teach what I knew to be true. And so I had a choice. I could go in there and I could be defensive and I could be argumentative and I could force my way and defend my case and try to convert my whole school, which probably wouldn't have gone well. Or I could learn to hear them And what I learned to hear was pain, confusion, disappointment, discouragement. And because I took the time to hear over and over and over again, by the time I reached my senior year at seminary, they began asking me, well, Chris, what do you think about this? What's your opinion, Chris? I know you don't agree with where we are, but so where, where are you and how did you get where you got? And so over those years, I learned to ask questions not to assume that I knew the answers and it's been a lifelong skill that I've had ever since and try to continue to keep in the forefront of my mind is that I don't know everything Um, and what I do know I deeply do hold to but the only way for me to understand more and learn more is to ask questions of people and you have to earn the right to be heard and you have to learn what it is to listen and so those are my biggest takeaways from seminary As I had my first call in church outside DC, we began having kids and we just didn't stop for a number of years. And um, so we have our four children and really enjoyed our time at our last church. A lot of good things, a lot of things I learned about ourselves and what we did as a family. It didn't end well, not because anything went wrong, but because there was just some choices that were made and there was a lot of pain. My wife was very hurt and she, uh, didn't think she would ever want to be a pastor's wife again. And so we didn't, we didn't ride out on a, a white horse feeling great about ourselves. And, and yet the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But the Lord is still the Lord in the middle of it. Job 1.21 says, Naked I came into my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to play this, this next video. And um, this is an oldie, but a goodie, and it's one of my favorites, and it's why we can go through the hard things of life. Let's play this next one. (laughs) Good one, good one, good one. So we entered the next season of our life. We moved back to North Carolina and applied to a bunch of churches, and and the Lord closed doors and closed doors and closed doors and closed doors to the point where I had to, to reach a place of realization that I may never be a pastor again. So Easter 2015 was one of the top five lowest days of my life um, because it was on that day that the Lord really stripped away and helped me understand that I was putting some identity and to a role and to a title and not into who he declared me to be. And so there was a real stripping away and and a letting go. And from there, we reached the place where the Lord, we felt, was just really saying, look, I want you to begin something new and start something new. So we launched a discipleship ministry. And we moved to South Georgia to do that. And we set up shop and, and got going. And our uh, kind of the baseline for that was Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this, I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me to see the the body of Christ mature and become who God says they are. But in order for me to get there I had to let go of what I thought was important. And so as we begin to close this thing down I'm gonna play a song for you guys that most of you probably don't know at all and it's called Clear the Stage by Jimmy Needham. I hear a couple of yeses out there. and so this song was really important to me during this season of my life because it, you, have to make, you have to make room for, for the right things. And what I want to do is I want to kind of use this as opening up to our ministry time. I'm going to have a few more things to say after this, and then we'll have one final song. But I want you to just let this minister to you if you don't know this song. Uh, the first time I heard it, I just sat in the pew and closed my eyes and just fell apart to this song. So if you want to read the lyrics, they'll be up there. If you just want to close your eyes and let this song begin to do something in you, then I encourage you to do that. So we're going to play the whole song for this one. It's called Clear the Stage. So what I saw is the Lord... Closing door and door and door and door and the pain of letting go. Brought me here. And I know I've said it a lot of times and I'll probably continue to say it, but even just this morning, I was standing right there. And I said, I can't believe I can't believe I'm here at a place like this getting to do what I get to do. I'm so immensely grateful to be able to disciple people and to be a pastor again, to be able to support the vision of this church, to support the leadership of our senior pastor, to create, to build, to reinforce this church to help people understand their identity in Christ. 1 John 3, 1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And the four most important words, And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. See, if we tap deep into our identity, if we really walk as sons and daughters of the King, this world will not understand us. And that's my vision and my hope and my dream for this church is that we wouldn't just be a community that comes and gathers on Sundays, but that we would be a community that, this, that our, this area does not understand. We don't get those KPC people. We don't get them, not just because they dance in the aisles, but because of the way they love people. This last song, and I want the altar ministers to please come on up he could uh this last one you guys taught me i had not heard this song until i came here and um it taps onto this identity thing and so i understand a a a testimony is a testimony it's it's my story and yet it's god's story and so how does that impact your life well hopefully you know me a little bit better but my heart is that you would know the one who created me better and so maybe there's a door that you need to walk through this morning. Maybe there's some doors that have been closed and you've been having a hard time with that. I don't know. Testimonies are weird to try and build this moment around, but as the altar ministers come up, we're going to sing this song. You're welcome to sing along as you have been. It's a good, good father. Because God is a good, good father and we are his children. And so if you want somebody to pray with you this morning, please come and pray, and, and after we get done with this, I'll close us down, and, and then we'll go enjoy the world that he's given us. But this moment is open for you. Let's play this last song. Father, thank you for being good in all your ways. Thank you for being a steady rock in an unsteady world, for being firm when everything shifts all around us. Thank you that what you declare is true and you declare us to be your children. And because of that, everything changes. Lord, may all that I've said, may this worship service as a whole be used to bring you glory, you honor and your name magnified in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand for the benediction, strange benediction at the end of 1 John chapter 5. As you go from this place, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Don't buy into what the world says you are, and don't let the world keep you from understanding who you actually are. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week, everybody.